It's time for the latest local, regional, and national sports topics of the day. It's the Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting. Ready? Now, from the WATH studios, here's Carl Blaylock. Hi, hello, 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 and welcome into the WATH studios. It is the Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting. And we have a very good show today. We're going to preview week one of the high school football season. I've got a list of about, oh, let's see here, 15 to 20 games that I'm keeping an eye on tomorrow night. A few of them are on Saturday. But we'll talk about them with two of, I think, the most knowledgeable people in, this, in high school football we have. We got Cade Williamson and Michael Roth joining me. We'll also talk about the Big Ten meteorites deal and Deshaun Watson's suspension. And here is the trivia question for today. Only two teams in in football have won a state title, moved up to up a division, and repeated as state champion in that higher division that next year. What two schools accomplished this feat? I'll say it again. Only two schools. In OHSA football, have won a state title, moved up a division, and repeated as state champion in that higher division that next year. What schools accomplished their, that feat? I'll tell you one school that does have a chance to accomplish that feat this year, I think, is Marion Local. Would you, would you guys agree? The D7 championship, they beat Newark Catholic, a team that's, you know, we're going to go see week two, Carl. Uh, with Nelsonville, York, and Newark Catholic, but Marion Local, they're moving up. They're a good, solid program, and Roth, I think you can hammer on that as well. Yeah, you know, they, they beat the Division Five state champs in the regular season and, and won D7, and now they're in D6 together because D5 state champs for sales. They also moved down to D6. So all both of them are in D6, and also Kirtland, the team that for sales beat, is in D6. Like, at the top, D6 has, like, some really strong teams, like some teams that, like Kirtland, has beaten solid D1 programs. Not like the lower bar D1 programs. Like they beat Solon a couple of years ago, and Solon's a program that like would make the playoffs and win a playoff game back when it was only eight teams. Like yeah. now every D1 team makes the playoffs. Yeah. But yeah, like between Kirtland, Marion Local, and Versailles, like D6 is gonna be. If you're not one of those three teams, like good luck to yeah, you. Yeah. Like if you oh, make yeah. it, if you yeah. make it far, like you have earned every right because there are. It's gonna be a road that's gonna be hard to travel through, like wherever you are. Oh yeah, and speaking of two teams that are in Division Six down here, it's Region Twenty Three, Tremble and Nelsonville York. That's those are the two teams we'll see in our game of the week this week. Me and Kate will be on the call. What's a key to the game, you think, today, uh, tomorrow, Cade? I mean, when you're looking at this, this is a rivalry game. It goes back to, you know, two guy or teams in the area that just have a strong connection with each other right down the road from each other. And honestly, I think a key to the game is just going to be the size. I mean, when you're looking at the roster and you're looking both ways, Nelsonville York's got a lot of returning people. Trimble's kind of starting fresh, starting new. So we'll see how it goes, as well as the leadership, you know. I mean, you got Coach Ferris over at Trimble, Coach Richards over at Nelsonville, York. Ferris brings a lot of experience to that squad, and I think that experience might need to be translated to that Trimble team going into game one. A tough game between two TVC champions in the Ohio with Nelsonville, York, and the Hawking with Trimble. I'll say, I'll say one thing that I think is going for Trimble is they are only returning three people from their team last year, but those three people are in the interior of the line. I'd expect that's going to be a lot of where their offense is going to run. They're going to try to run up the gut and see what they can get there. And we'll have to see how well that'll work for Tremble. Uh, we won't pick it since we're going to be calling the game. But, Roth, you want to make a pick on this game? Yeah, so there's kind of the cliche when you talk about rivalry games where it's just like, oh, throw the record book out. It doesn't really matter. And, like, a lot of the times that's kind of BS. Like, the better team's probably going to win. And while the better team has won in Trimble versus Nelsonville, York, it hasn't been by as much as they should have. Mm -hmm. Like, Trimble was probably a lot better last year, and they won by one point. Mm -hmm. And then I remember, like, four years ago, when NY was making their state pushes, like, Trimble was pushing them to the wire. So while I think NY is the better football team, I think historically in this rivalry, it has been 
tight and neck and neck pretty much every time they play. But I do think usually the better team does come out on top. And I think this year, NY is the better team. They got more experience coming back. They've got just playmakers on the outside returning. And that's where Trimble maybe doesn't have that. I'm not sure how dynamic Trimble's offense is going to be in week one. So that might be the reason why NY they might have a little more offensive firepower. But last year, we all thought Trimble was going to steamroll them because back in 2019, um, they really did well. Or 2020, they did really well offensively. And then 2021, they could only score seven points. So it's a really interesting rivalry game. A lot of tight matchups in the past decade. But I'm going to take the Buckeyes to win in a close one um, by only one or two scores. Yeah, I, I'm certainly excited uh, to call that game with Kay tomorrow. Over here on this side on WATH, we'll have Athens. They're going to travel to Philo. What do you guys think about that matchup? I mean, when you're looking at this, Athens was a very young team last year. They have a decent amount of returning talent. I mean, they lost Eric Welsh, a solid player that was a wide receiver on their outside. But Philo, you're playing in the NBL. Philo was a decent squad. They've had some good years in the past, the past five or so years. They've had some pretty solid runs and trying to push for NBL championships. But I just think that the Muskingum Valley League is a, is a very solid football league. And I think Philo, since they're home as well, they're going to take it over Athens. Yeah, I agree. You know, last year this game was 41 nothing, and I think if you would have played that game in Week 10, it would have been closer because Athens made big strides. Um, but I don't think they've cut 41 points off the distance between the two teams. Uh, I, I would expect Philo to win this one pro probably by, like, two or three scores. I think you're going to see a much more competitive game than you got last year. I I'm still not quite sure if the Bulldogs are ready to get a victory over uh, an above-average MVL squad. F Philo has won more games than they've lost in the MVL the past, like, three years. So th th this is a pretty good barometer for this young Athens squad. We'll see just how far they've came Friday night. I agree. I think Philo will win this, but I think Athens will make it a little bit closer. I think it's a two-score game. I, I think it will be a two-score game. I think it's 13 possible. points. Mm -hmm. uh, going on to our next game, the uh, other Athens County team playing. Obviously, we've got Trimble, Nelsonville, York, and Alexander. They're hosting Eastern Pike. Uh, what have you seen of Eastern Pike out of what you've heard this year? Uh, yeah, so Eastern, uh, they're actually one win last year was against Alexander, which w was kind of interesting because uh, Eastern was a pretty decent team in 2020. So it, it was kind of fascinating seeing, like, the wheels kind of fall off their, their program. You know, they had um, games canceled early in the season. So they only ended up playing eight regular season games instead of the normal ten. Um, I think Alexander gets this one done. You know, last season they got uh, all three of their wins were uh, out of conference against South Gallia, Belpre, and South Point, and they did lose to Eastern Pike. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the Spartans get it done. Uh, I, I think Alexander does a good job of, of scheduling to the level of their competition out of conference instead of uh, – like Alexander could maybe ask like teams like Jackson who are a lot bigger than them to play them, but they don't really do that. They play against teams that are going to give them a challenge and like, it's kind of a coin flip. So I think the Spartans get this one done, but uh, this one could really go either way. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking the same thing. I'm honestly thinking, thinking to Alexander. I mean, they're returning a decent amount of talent. The Spartans are a pretty mid-level team in TVC, Ohio. We'll see him sometime later in the season, Carl. We'll see the Spartans and see how they play, but it could go either way. I'm going to say Alexander by a touchdown. I, I would agree that Alexander will probably win. Moving on down south, Galley Academy traveling to Megs. I went to that game last year, and it was a great game. Colder Cleveland was firing on all cylinders, but in the end, they couldn't. They, uh, Galley Academy stood them up at the goal line about five or six times at the end of that game of the fourth quarter, and that's what won Galley Academy the game. This year, Megs lost Colter Cleveland, uh, graduated. Where does that leave Megs? Do you think they'll have a shot against the Blue Devils? I, I do not. I think if you couldn't get it done with Colter as a senior, I have a hard time thinking you're going you're gonna to beat Gallia. Um, even though now this year you're going to have home field advantage, uh, I got the Blue Devils by multiple scores. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to agree with Roth on this one. I mean, Migs is a younger team. They lost a decent amount of talent. Like you said with Coulter, a guy that's moving on to the college level and going and playing at Davidson. I mean, you're just losing too much, even though it's a home game and it's the opening game of the season. Galley Academy is just a pretty stout club. 
Moving on to uh, east of here, Benton County's traveling to Unioto to open up their season. What do you guys think about that game? Uh, yeah, so this was a pretty interesting matchup last year. You know, T.J. Carper, first game coaching Benton County. They got the tight win 12-7. to uh, I think Benton County, they got more experience, like, under Coach Carper. And also, Unioto loses LSU commit Tavion Galloway, who transferred from Unioto to Chillicothe. So I think that all signs point towards Vinton County starting their year 1-0. I don't think it's going to be a lopsided game, but I expect the Vikings to walk away with a victory on Friday night. Yeah, and I'd have to agree. I mean, Vinton County's a team that's going to challenge Nelsonville York this year, I, I would think, in the TBC Ohio title. They have a solid club. They got a bunch of returning guys under Coach Carper again. I mean, Unioto, like I said, lost that talent, Roth. I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking Vinton County by two scores in this one. Keeping out farther west, how about Wellston versus Oak Hill under new head football coach out of Wellston, Carl Justice? Yeah, I think um, I think Wellston is going to win this one. Um, Oak Hill really struggled offensively last year. They only scored more than seven points once all of last season. Um, so as long as Wellston can put a couple touchdowns on the board, it's looking likely that they're going to be able to get a victory. They won 28-6 to last year. Um, so even though, you know, what Coach Richards mentioned that Wellston lost a couple kids to transfer to Vinton County and Jackson, um, I still think that the Rockets have enough to get it done on Friday night. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I mean, Wilson's going to be about that maybe 3-4 spot in the CBC Ohio this year when you really look at it. Uh, Wilson, we'll see him as well. Another team we'll see later on in the year, Carl, but I, I think they get it done against Oak Hill as well. And finally, the last team out of the TVC, Ohio, we're looking at uh, Reedsville Eastern is traveling to River Valley. Uh, what do you think? What do you think about Reedsville Eastern in general? And do you think they get it done against the Raiders? Yeah. So these teams had one common opponent last year. River Valley beat South Gallia 31 nothing, and Reedsville Eastern beat South Gallia 46 to nothing. So a little bit more lopsided for Eastern. You know, this is a program that won Meigs County first ever playoff game in 2020. They had a strong senior class. They're now trying to rebuild, get back to those heights. I think they get a win in week one and start off the season 1-0. and And with how much experience Trimble lost, you know, this is going to be a chance. Even though Eastern doesn't have their best team this season, they're going to look at the TVC Hawking and be like, if this is a year that we're going to get the crown, this could be one of them. So I think that they start off the year 1-0. and I, I think I'm going to agree with you there, Roth, as well. I mean, Eastern, they're returning a decent amount of talent, like you mentioned. And Trimble, I mean, you don't want to speculate. They might be falling off the stoop. It's just a young squad that you don't really know what you're going to see at this point, which almost leaves the hawking wide open. I mean, you still got Waterford, but they lost a decent amount of players as well. Eastern, I, I could see contending as well. I, I really do, and I think they'll get it done against the Raiders. How about, speaking of that Waterford squad, they travel to Crooksville. What do you think about that game? Yeah, so this is going to be, I believe it's going to be the first game for Crooksville's new stadium. So, you know, Crooksville had to play every single one of their games last year on the road. Um, their stadium had issues with lights, with electricity, like a bunch of, bunch of problems with it. So going on the road was really tough for Crooksville last season. Every single week they raised money. They're getting that new stadium, and I think it's going to be a big moment for Crooksville. You know, last year Waterford won this game 29-7. to uh, I'm going to still take the Wildcats to win, but I think it's going to be a tight game because I think you're going to see an all-out effort from the Ceramics. It's really going to mean a lot to that community, and they might come out with a lot of energy, maybe hit Waterford in the mouth in the first quarter, first half, and then I think the Wildcats just a little bit more talent than Crooksville probably has on paper. I think they get it done, but it's going to be a pretty emotional night for Crooksville. Yeah, the atmosphere is definitely going to play a factor in this one. I mean, Crooksville, you got to be you got to be excited for this game if you're over there in Crooksville. I mean, you're seeing the ceramics at home for the first time in a long time. Uh, like you said, Roth, it was tough for them to just go on the road last year and play all of those games. Uh, I, I do agree that Waterford will put this one to bed in their favor. But I would expect it to be a tight ball game, tighter than what you'd really think it would be on paper. All righty. Looking at another TVC Ohio, or excuse me, TVC hawking team is South Gallia. They're traveling to Sims Valley. Uh, Cade, what do you think about 
South Galley? Do you think they'll have a chance against Sims Valley? Uh, personally, I just see Sims Valley winning this game. Uh, it's at their place or places. Uh, from one time I ended up traveling there. It's in the, <laughs> it's in the middle. Of, yeah, thanks for that one, Roth. It's in the middle of absolutely nowhere. But still, I mean, South Galley, they got the new look. I don't know if you guys have seen it. They got a new look this year. Um, overall, I like the new uniforms, the black uniforms. I will say they are, they are nice. But I'm just saying, you know, Sims Valley is going to take care of this one easy. Kate, if my memory serves me correctly, I at least gave you a pretty good game. You did. Was no, try, no, you did. It was, it was Sims Valley Portsmouth Notre Dame. It was a good game. I will, I will say that. I won't okay. give you that much. I think it's going to be a better game than this game Friday night. I, uh, I, I think there's no reason to, to think Sims Valley isn't going to roll in this one. You know, they, they went 9-0 and in the regular season last year before getting upset by Kip Columbus in the first round. So definitely a sour taste in those Sims Valley's players' mouth after not ending the year how they want it. I think they start off week one, use that aggression, get a big victory. Warren's taking on Belpre. Last year's Belpre's defense was, especially at the beginning of the year, quite bad. I'm, if I remember right, week two last year, Megs put up 81 points against them. Do you think that the Eagles' defense has bounced back, and do you think they'll bounce back this year and give Warren a game? No, honestly, I think it might be a little competitive, but I just feel like Warren's going to take this one over. Uh, they got a lot of good returning talent. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but most of their players overall, like offensively, like skill position players, are going to be some of the better people to look out for in southeastern Ohio this year. Um, and Roth, you can hit on that more, but I, I just feel like Warren's too solid of a team. I'd expect them to have a better season than what they did last year. Very similar, but still just a step above. Yeah, so Warren's 2020 class was really talented. They had Trent Taylor, they had Evan Gandy. They, they set program records in terms of uh, playoff success. Um, and then 2021, Warren had to replace all those guys, still scored 47 points against Belpre, and now Trent Taylor has had a full season under his belt. He's experienced. Jason Williams, one of the top running backs in all of Southeast Ohio, he's back for his junior year. Uh, I think all signs are pointing up for Warren. You know, after a 3-8 and eight season in 2021, uh, I think that they're closer to the 2020 standard. I, I don't think they reach it because that's, like, one, one of, if not the best team in Warren history. But I think that this 2022 Warren team, uh, they're going to be exciting to watch. All right, moving on to the last game out of the TBC Hawking. Southern's traveling to Chesapeake. What do you guys think about that game? Um, well, I know we kind of talked a little bit about the Tornadoes, just overall going into this season, Carl. Uh, Southern out of racing, they, they've got some decent, they were a decent team last year. They fiddled, finished about middle of the pack in the TVC Hawking. We thought that they could maybe compete on it as an outside competitor this year. I, I mean, I think they're in the same boat as Eastern. I think yeah. we've talked about this. Mm -hmm. We've been talking about this all week. I feel like they're about in the same boat as Eastern to where with, Tremble being a little bit inexperienced, and Waterford also having a lot of senior production graduating last year. I, I think that if there's a time for Southern or Eastern to hop up and try to take some of these games away, or take a title away from Waterford and Tremble, this is a year. Yeah, it just seems like open, as we mentioned before, and Chesapeake's a team that had a tough season last year. I mean, severely under 500, a very tough record overall. But, I, you know, I just think Southern will take this one, get some momentum going into the season, see how that takes them from there. Yeah, uh, this game got canceled last year due to COVID. They were supposed to play each other. Southern then found a Fed Hawk to play in Week 1 instead, got the victory 37-8. to I think Southern starts uh, 2022 with a win as well. Um, but They've kind of proven last year. Uh, they played teams like Fed Hawk, South Gallia, Belpre, Manchester. Uh, they won all of those games comfortably. So, so I feel like they're just like in a tier above um, some of the teams that like really struggle to win a game. So I think the Tornadoes get this one done. All right, moving to teams in Division Six, Region 23, the same region as Tremble and Nelsonville, York, that we're going to keep our eyes on for the entire season. We're going to start with one. Right up the road, right up 33, Burn Union. They host Colgrove. What do you guys think about that game? Do you think Burn Union continues the momentum they've had? I, I'll say this. I think one Grove will win, and I think it's going to be Sugar Grove. I mean, Burn Union is a solid program all around. They have good talent loaded front to back. They're, I just think they match up really well against Colgrove, and they're going to take an easy victory. 
Yeah, you know, Burn Union had a, a really special season last year. They lost some key pieces, but I'm pretty sure quarterback Nate Nemeth is back. Um, I think his experience is going to be enough in week one. I, I don't think the Rockets are as talented or dynamic as they were in 2021. That was a, uh, a really fun team to watch. I mean, the, they, were, they were really something. But, um, yeah, I, I think even despite losing some of their top wide receivers, I like Bray Frazier. I still got Burn Union winning in week one. All right, looking at another team. This team knocked out Trimble last year, the last game that Trimble played. They lost East Knox on a last-second touchdown. They're playing at Northridge, and you're really high on Northridge, Kate, aren't you? Uh, I, I wouldn't say high. I just feel like that they they could hit their ceiling this year. I am. They're, they're a team that's from the area of where I'm from, up in, up in Licking County, part of the LCL there. They're in the smaller school division, and Last year they were a 500-ball club, lost round one in the playoffs. But when you look at them, I don't know if they'll be solid enough to take a step up this season. I mean, I, I think they could easily settle into the third spot in their division of the LCL, but it's, it's going to be tough for them to just take that step up. Uh, I mean, when looking at a couple of numbers for this game, it seemed like East Knox was is going to be a team that's favored big. I, I think it'll be more of a competitive game than people think it will be. I just don't think that Northridge has enough yet to knock off East Knox, and I'm going to take East Knox. Yeah, so East Knox moving up from Division 7 to Division 6. Just like Trimble. Yeah, with Trimble. Um, uh, I think that the East Knox is, is a program that's used to winning. Um, you know, they're, they're kind of consistently winning 8, 9, 10, 11 games, depending on how far they make it in the playoffs. Um, I, th I think they get it done, but... Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Northridge does because uh, there's some winnable games on their schedule, and I think just becoming a consistent playoff team is a step forward for that program. Obviously easier now um, than it was back when the playoffs only had eight teams per region. Um, but just like consistently being in that like 10, 11, 12 range in your region, making the playoffs, not even have to worry about Week 10, um, that's where Northridge wants to get. And I think even if they lose this game, that's very achievable this year. This next game is one of the more interesting games in all of Southeast Ohio, I think. Fort Bride's traveling to John Glenn. What do you think about this game, Kate? Uh, I mean, honestly, John Glenn, the Little Muskies are a team that I think can compete for the NBL, for an NBL title this year. I, I really do. Uh, Sheridan lost a lot of solid talent. They do have their quarterback, Caden Sheridan, back this year in the NBL. But uh, John Glenn just seems like that team that's ready to take over. They've been sitting in that two or three spot back and forth, back and forth the past couple of years. They've been a solid program overall. But even with that said, I mean, Fort Fry, though, I, you know, that's, that's a good program overall down here in southeastern Ohio. I, I think that it being at John Glenn will make it a little closer than what it might be, but I think Fort Fry eats this one out by a score. Our first disagreement here, wow, Cade. Wow. Um, you're high on the, you're high on the <laughs> little muskies. Okay. I see it. I see it. I just see it. Yeah, so Fort Bry has been a program where um, they just have all-state talent, and then the all-state talent graduates, and then they got new all-state talent. And it's just been a cycle that they've been rolling, and they are one of the top small schools in the state. You know, I watched them beat St. Henry in, uh, like, 90-degree heat, you know, St. Henry – might be Division 7 compared to Fort Fry being in Division 6, but St. Henry had like almost double the players on the sideline uh, playing in the MAC, which is the best small school conference in Ohio. Nobody's going to argue with that statement. And I got a lot of respect for the Fort Fry program, but now they're starting to schedule up. You know, last year they got St. Henry. They couldn't get Lima Central Catholic. You know, this year you got John Glenn. This is a Division 3 program that's used to playing against teams like Sheridan, Tri-Valley, uh, I believe Colt Emerson, the Auburn baseball commit, is back. Um, he was one of the best players offensively and defensively in all of Southeast Ohio last year. You know, he had, I think, like six interceptions and 1,200 yards receiving, uh, which is really nuts. I think that John Glenn has more depth, um, which was a big factor uh, for John Glenn last year um, because a lot of their guys got hurt midway through the season, that was probably the reason why they lost to Meadowbrook. They just kind of ran out of bodies. Um, but this year, week one, John Glenn at home, I got the Little Muskies winning this one, and I actually feel pretty confident about this pick. Okay, okay. I, I could see it. I really could see it. Uh, and, you know, Colt Emerson uh, is a good guy to highlight for John Glenn. Um, and, and like you said about Fort Fry moving up, I mean, they're even scheduling 
uh, even higher opponents in Zanesville. They've got Zanesville this year. They played Zanesville last year. They took care of business against Zanesville last year, and I think they could take care of business again this year. So it's possible, and I do think that John Glenn has a, a more stout program this year, at least, than Zanesville did last year. But uh, for me, it's more of a flip of a coin for you. I, I could understand why you pick John Glenn. Though. I, I, I can definitely see that pick. Yeah, and like Fort Fry is a program that's been just ultra successful. I believe they went almost four years without losing a regular season game, which just to like kind of think about that is really insane. Now, during that stretch, they weren't playing the Lima Central Catholics in St. Henry. Like Fort Fry eventually figured it out. They're like, oh, wow, we're like really good now. Let, let's challenge ourselves because the goal at Fort Fry stopped being let's go 9-1 and one and win a playoff game. The goal at Fort Fry now is let's win the region. And that's evaded them, you know, or um, they won the region. They haven't made it to the state title game. They haven't made it to Canton. You know, New Middletown Springfield got them. Um, they lost last year to West Jefferson. You know, the expectations are different in Fort Fry, and these games are going to prepare them for that. Um, and John Glenn's probably more talented than any team in Division Six, Region 23. Um, so, like, if Fort Fry does win this game, I'll look out rest of the region because uh, that's – that's going to be a statement, so we'll, we'll see. But, yeah, uh, got a couple more before we hit the break. Yep, yep. We'll, we'll skip ahead a little bit. Uh, Garway is playing at Bel Air. Bel Air's all the way up, almost by Wheeling. Uh, so that's it, a little bit, I mean, it shows how spread out this region is. What do you think of Bel Air? you think they get it done against Garraway? That's a Saturday game as uh, Bel Air doesn't have lights. But what do you think about the Big Red? I mean, Garraway is a consistently solid team. I mean, year in and year out, they're usually going, you know, 9, 10, maybe 11 wins. They're competing for their regional title year in and year out. Uh, them and usually Ridgewood are the two teams up there that compete. You're, you know, you hear a lot about them from where I'm from in somewhat eastern central Ohio. Uh, I get Bel Air's a, a decent program, but I, I just think Garraway gets this one done. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, Garraway, you know, they finally got that signature. Not finally, but... Ridgewood had had the league for a couple years, and then Garraway kind of stole it back last year. Um, those two programs, definitely no love lost between them. Um, and Bel Air had a really great season, just losing um, their all-state linebacker, who I, I know he's playing at Youngstown State. His name is slipping my head right now. Um, but I think that's going to be a big loss for Bel Air. It'll be interesting because, you know, they, they were in D5, and I believe they were in the same region as Garraway because I'm pretty sure Bel Air was like, in the region with Kirtland and a bunch of the Northeast Ohio schools. So it's interesting now that Bel Air is going to be with Southeast Ohio schools. So, so instead of heading north, they're going to be headed west and a little south. All right, looking at uh, another more local team, Jackson traveling to Logan. Do you think the Chieftains have a chance? With those new cool white helmets, a throwback. As it's uh, 100 years of Logan football, isn't it not? Yeah, I, I believe so. That's what they're celebrating with those helmets is that uh, 100th year, uh, which are, you know, I will say they are pretty solid alternate uniforms. I'll give them that much. But, uh, you know, I, I just feel like Jackson, uh, they're, they're a good team on paper. They're, you know, just a solid program all around. Logan's, they're just going to, they're going to find some step. They're going to have to actually have some, a lot of trial and error over the next couple of years because they're eventually going to be, they've been independent or like freelance the past couple of years, and they're going to move up to the OCC. And if you're going you're going to play in some OCC, that's some solid competition no matter what sport you're in. I mean, football, you know, some, some divisions of the OCC are a little here or there, but still. Uh, it, but you're going to have these games, you're going to have these games for Logan that are more locally based, but I just think Jackson gets it done. Yeah, you know, last year, um, I think Logan returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown, and then Jackson got stopped on a fourth and, fourth and like, three on their first possession. Logan got the ball back, and I was like, man, this might be a game. And then Jackson won, like, 42-7 to seven or 42-14. to 14. It wasn't much of a game. Um, I, I really think the Ironmen got a shot this year. You know, a um, couple questionable calls cost them last season against Western Brown. They graduate a lot, but, you know, by the end of the year, uh, Evan Spires was done for the year. You know, Grant Maston's a big loss, too, um, but you're returning Jacob Winters. You're returning Cade Wolford. Those are two of the most talented skill position players in Southeast Ohio. Um, Winters, a future Ohio Bobcat. I think the Ironman role, I, I think this could be a special season for Jackson. 
as I think once again they cruise to the FAC title. All righty. How about looking at New Lexington versus Fairfield Union? Uh, when I think about this one, I think New Lexington is a team that can maybe take a possible step up in the NBL small school division this year. Uh, it's going to be tough for any team in the recently restructured NBL small school division to go and dethrone Meadowbrook. Meadowbrook has a solid program all around. The Colts are just they're stacked with talent last year. They lost a lot of decent talent, but they just rebuild quite well. Uh, New Lexington, when I watched them, I actually watched them last week against Nelsonville, York, in a scrimmage at New Lexington, traveled down there from where I reside in Newark. But still, when I went and watched them, they were just moving the ball with ease. They had a lot of good short, quick passes. Their quarterback was airing the ball out. They were just moving the ball efficiently against Nelsonville, York. Uh, compared to Fairfield Union, Fairfield Union was sort of a bottom of the MSL uh, in their division uh, team last year. Um, I think at one point they ended up even maybe having a close game between them and my alma mater, Lakewood, up there, which was very surprising to me to hear that because Lakewood was a team that went 0-10, and I didn't expect them to win any games last year. But I, I just think New Lexington gets this one done. I think they get it over the Falcons. So, so I went back and forth with this one because, yes, Fairfield Union did almost lose to Lakewood in Week 3. They also, New Lexington, beat Fairfield Union last year 13-6. to But Fairfield Union beat Circleville 49-21. to Circleville only went 2-8. and but then they followed it up with a 20 to nothing win over Amanda Clear Creek in the last game of the season. That brings me some confidence. However, also hearing Rusty Richards talk about New Lexington's passing attack, New Lexington's able to put points on the board. I'm going to go with New Lexington, but I, I would maybe say out of all my picks, I feel the least confident in this pick. I think it could really go either way. Talking about Rusty Richards, uh, Let's look at Saturday night. They're, they're going to be heading up to Newark, and they're going to be seeing their opponent for next week. Bishop Reedy's traveling to Newark Catholic, who Nelsonville York plays week two. That's a Saturday game. What do you think out of the Green Wave? Do you think the Green Wave will continue rolling as uh, they continue trying to defend their... I mean, they are the best team that what, last year that are still in Division Seven. They are the best. As Marion Local moved up to D6, they were the state runner-up last year, only two Marion Local. Do you think that they're going to be able to continue that? Do you think they have a chance at winning state? Um, I got to see this team up close uh, in the summer. I've been around them. They had a lot of turnover in the coaching position, trying to find a new coach. They hired a new guy. Unfortunately, uh, he was not able to step up in the position as the head coach, so they went, went and got back their old head coach, Coach Ryan Aiello. Now in his fifth season with the Green Wave, tried to get a higher position, wasn't able to get it in the offseason. But he's back, and he's got a good program. But the question that's going to be answered about that Newark Catholic team is going to be how will Miller Hutchison play? He's the new quarterback stepping in for their guy Cole Cancer last year. Cole Cancer uh, going and playing college ball up in Michigan. I got to talk to him a little bit. Cancer was a, a guy that really was the focal point of that offense. Not that they had weapons that weren't around him. I mean, they got Kyle Lingenbrunner that's going to be a solid running back in the backfield that they're returning this year. They've got other weapons as well. I, I could see my personal prediction is this for Newark Catholic. I think that they can have a solid season, but if you go back and you look at who they played in the playoffs last year, they had a very, very easy schedule to get to that state final game, and then they just got steamrolled by Marion Local, which is, I guess, a possibly just scheduling conflicts and whatnot or what happens with the OHSAA, but still. I, I see Newark Catholic as a team that goes 9-1. and one. I think they lose against Fort Lormie whenever they play them at their place. It was a tight game last year, and I think because they don't have that experience, they're going to lose that game. I think they'll get the job done week one easily over Bishop Reedy, but I don't think Newark Catholic will be a team that can make a state run, maybe a regional run, but they will win their conference this year. I'll give them that much. We also disagree on this one. You know, Bishop Reedy had a late coaching change last year, and then they had an interim coach. He coached last season. They took some interviews. We're thinking about hiring an outside candidate. They kept him on staff. Last season, Bishop Reedy had over 20 freshmen. They only had 11 seniors on the team. This team that got better week after week. Uh, New York Catholic loses their quarterback. They also had a bit of coaching turnover, as Cade mentioned. I just think stuff's like kind of setting in line for Bishop Reedy right now. 
and I think it's going to be a really close game. I'm just going to pick Bishop Reedy to win this one. Still think Newark Catholic is probably the favorite in the region, but I definitely think they're beatable, even with all the teams moving up to Division Six. You know, you got teams like River um, who are going to be gunning for them, so I'm going to take Bishop Reedy. All righty. Speaking of teams that moved up, that is our trivia question today. Only two teams in OHSAA football have won a state title, moved up division, and repeated as state champion in that higher division that next year. What schools have accomplished that feat? Uh, you guys have any ideas? Uh, I mean, it's just I, I don't I don't even know. I don't even know where to start. I mean, Roth, you might have a better idea than I do, but it I seems don't to move where. up. Yes, teams that won the state title in a lower division, moved up in the next division, won in that higher division. Okay, so I'm assuming it's not Marion Local because you mentioned them already. Is that a safe assumption? Yes. Okay, so I'm, I'm pretty sure Kirtland's done. Yes. Okay, Kirtland's won. Mm -hmm. And then my second guess, um, I'm going to go Versailles. I'm not sure if that's right, though. On the money. On the money. So, Kirtland did it. They won D6 in 2018 and then won D5 in 2019 and then repeated again in 2020. Uh, Versailles, they it's, won. It's Versailles. Versailles. It's, okay. Yeah, they get really they, defensive <laughs> about that. Well, you, you got like six different ways to pronounce it. This is not got, Greek mythology, <laughs> you, got, you got the French way to say it. You got the, uh, oh, the American boy. way to say it. All right. Say it the American way. We're in Ohio. Come on, Carl. Come on, Carl. Carl, just For don't sales. call it Russia, okay? It's Russia. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Versailles won. They won. This was interesting, and I almost missed this, because originally I just saw Kirtland, and then I was rechecking myself. And so Versailles won D4 in 1993, moved down to D5, won in 1994, moved back up to D4 in 1995, and won it again. So that's how they did it. And then Marion Local, they're another team. They're, I think those are the only three teams that have ever won back-to-back state titles in different divisions, but Marion Local did it in Marion Local did it in D six in twenty eleven and twenty twelve and then D seven was created. Marion Local fell down there and they won it again in twenty thirteen and twenty fourteen. So that's the trivia question of the day. How about that, Roth? Right on the money with it. I'm I mean, not surprised. That, I'm not surprised. And I believe I believe um Marion Local is like something absurd, like twenty-five and one in Division Seven playoff games. Yeah, because wow. Division Seven, you mentioned it. It got created in like what twenty thirteen. Uh, yes, twenty thirteen. Twenty thirteen, yes. So Marion Local, they, they've spent a couple seasons in Division Six before this year. Yes. Um, they moved. They were in D six in twenty eighteen because my high school. We, we actually had a chance because there were no max schools. There were no max schools in Division 7 that year. We actually had a chance. Unfortunately, we weren't able to do it. But nonetheless, we still were able to, you know, we made it to the regional final. And eventually the team out of, uh, the, team out of the Northwest region, which was Macomb, went on to win the state title. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure when New Bremen beat Marion Local in 2020, in the regional final. I think that was the first time Marion Local had lost a playoff game in Division 7. Wow. Um, I don't believe it. They are just on another <laughs> level, to put it simply. And also, Marion Local does a great job of incorporating families and keeping them involved. You know, the amount of whatever, like, the last name is, you'll find three of them. Like, quarter, quarterback, wide receiver, and then the JV quarterback. You know, all the same family. But, yeah, they, they're doing something right. That they are. All righty, we'll take a break, and then when we come back, we'll talk about the Big Ten media rights deal here on The Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting. At Ohio Health, you can see your doctor here, there, or anywhere, whether it's in person. Hi there. How are you feeling today? Or at home. Hi there. How are you doing? At one of our 200-plus care sites across the state. All right. Let's take a look. Or on your tablet, smartphone, or computer. So when did this problem start? You'll feel good knowing Ohio Health provides the finest care anywhere. Schedule care today at ohiohealth.com slash finest care. 
Hi, I'm Kim. And this is Ruth. Please join us every Wednesday morning on 970 WATH to make it happen. It's the Kim and Ruth Show. What's happening? It's not the Kim and Ruth Show. It's really... Tune in to Make It Happen with Kim and Ruth every Wednesday morning at 10.06. And we'll spend time talking about health and wellness topics in all aspects of healthy living. But we know that you're the real expert in your health, so let us help you make it happen. Wednesday morning at 970 WATH to make it happen. Athens County cares about you. I'm Micah. Join me Tuesdays and Fridays at 10.06 on Classic Hits 970 AM and 971 FM WATH for discussions about essential information for seniors, such as nutrition, caregiving, mental health, Medicare, and all other relevant topics for seniors in Athens County and the surrounding areas. Athens County Cares, a project of the United Seniors of Athens County, Tuesdays and Fridays at 10.06 a.m. on WATH. This is the Sports Fan on 970 WATH. The Sports Fan, presented by J.K. Contracting. Well, here on WATH, we are a Ohio State radio affiliate. We cover their basketball and football games. And, you know, we'll, we'll be that for a long time, I'm sure. Now, ESPN will not. And that was announced today. The new Big Ten meteorites deal for upwards of $7 billion is what I've seen. I've seen $7 billion has been the lowest I've seen. I've seen some that might even be higher depending on if the Big Ten expands more. They've reached the deal with CBS, Fox, NBC, Peacock will also be involved. Big Ten Network will have games, as will FS1. Uh, it's a humongous deal. It What's going to happen with it is it's going to be segmented up almost like I've seen a lot of people comparing it to the NFL deals where you're going to have three marquee games on each of the networks every day. You're going to have Fox have a marquee game at noon. CBS has a 3.30 game and starting in 2024 once their rights with the SEC expire. And then you're going to have an NBC game in prime time after the Notre Dame game. So... That's huge. And then you're also going to have eight exclusive Peacock games, and then the rest of the games are either going to be on Big Ten Network or the or FS1 with a few. I think there's probably, I think, CBS is covering 15 games uh, once they get into the contract. NBC, I believe, has, uh, I believe they have 11 or 12. And then you have Fox, who has pretty much the remaining that will be on broadcast television. Uh, and then with basketball, a lot of the basketball rights are going to be on Peacock. So what do you guys think about this media deal? I mean, per personally, I, I think it's the, the Big Ten struck gold with this. I mean, this is a crazy deal that you're getting overall, especially for football. Like, when you look at it, you're getting three primetime games to just basically compete against ESPN and the SEC and everything else that ESPN uh, has the rights to, which is basically just the SEC uh, here in about four or five years. But if you're the Big Ten, you got to be happy with this deal. I, I, I don't know exactly how I feel about it 100% yet to its core, but I, I believe that it'll be, it'll be nice to see a little bit of variety, you know, more than just seeing your normal ESPN and Fox people that you usually see when you're fans of the Big Ten. But I, I think it's a good thing for the Big Ten right now, especially if they have plans on expansion. So, so my biggest question is how, how much is NBC um, and CBS as well going to do in sort of like a pregame aspect and promotional stuff? Because right now, really, the ESPN has College Football Live, like that runs pretty much every day, and then they got College Game Day, and Fox has Big Noon Kickoff, and like Fox is going to be working with the Big Ten. But is NBC going to be pushing... The, the, like, Big Ten narratives, is CBS going to do that? Because, like, despite CBS having, like, the best SEC games, um, you still got a lot of ESPN push of the SEC. And when ESPN doesn't have any Big Ten games, I think it's going to be a fair question if you're going to get the same, like, studio show analysis that you've kind of come to expect from ESPN. So I think that's the one thing I'm curious about. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, 
I'm just saying if you're a Big Ten fan, I'm going to be interested to see, uh, are we getting Big Ten preview shows on Peacock? Um, is NBC going to do more? Because right now NBC really only does Notre Dame football, and like they're its own separate thing in terms of college football coverage. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting watching how NBC sort of transitions into covering more college football and also how they use Peacock in that. And also basketball. Basketball, that, yeah. that's the big yeah. thing with that, with Peacock. My really, my big question is for NBC specifically is, you look at their Notre Dame team right now, like the last few years, for the while it used to be they had Paul Burmeister and Doug Flutie calling the Notre Dame games every year for quite a few years. Then Burmeister moved into the radio booth, and you had Mike Tirico take over for Notre Dame football, and they had him. They had him in there with Flutie for a few years, and then Tony Dungy for a year or two, and they had him with Drew Brees last year. Uh, this year they have Jack Collinsworth and uh, Jason, Jason Garrett. Garrett. Yeah. And I, to me, that's the thing with NBC. You need to upgrade your commentator game. Like, yes, all right, I'll, I'll give Jack Collinsworth and Jason Garrett the benefit of the doubt. I, I'm going to be honest, I didn't watch really any USFL games, so... I wouldn't know, you know, all right, what would that have looked like? But I, I feel like you can do better than that. I feel like you can find better talent than Jack Collinsworth and Jason Garrett. I, I feel like, and if you're going to get into the Big Ten and stuff, you're going to need better talent than that because you're going to be going up against Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt, which I think is one of the best college football television pairings possibly ever. You are going to have Brad Nessler and Gary Danielson as long as they're around, which, albeit, I've never been a big fan of either of those, but they're still really big voices in college football. Who does NBC have to really step up with that? You're not going to see Mike Tirico double dip. So who, who, is, who is that big-name voice for them? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch. You know, um, I, I think... Uh, Jack's pretty solid, you know, never never too much of a fan of it. Uh, I'm not going to say nepotism higher, but obviously, like, it helps out when when your dad's, like, one of the most successful broadcasters with the company. Um, but, but I think Jack's pretty decent. Um, I'm not sure how much, like, flavor Jason Garrett is going to have. You know, when, when you watched him as a Cowboys coach, he seems like he's obviously really smart. He has Ivy League education, but yeah, like Michael, yeah. Lombardi, Michael Lombardi coined him the clapper. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, I don't know, you can't really clap in a broadcast booth. It's not going to sound that well. Yeah. Um, As proof. Yeah. Yeah, 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 sorry, sorry listeners who had to hear Carl uh, clap right <laughs> there. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I just, I think that's a fair point. All righty. We'll see, we'll see what happens. That goes into effect in 2023. When we come back, we'll have our surefire hot picks and touch on a little bit the Deshaun Watson suspension here on the Sports Fan presented by JNK Contracting. Backed with 100% pure beef patties, topped with tangy pickles, chopped onions, ketchup, mustard, and a slice of melty American cheese. Picking a second fave to go with it for just $3.19. Now at McDonald's, mix and match a McDouble with a savory McChicken, crispy small fries, or tender four-piece chicken McNuggets. Get any two for just $3.19. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Hey, it's Boots. We'll talk crazy cars vehicle wraps and racing fuel sounds like a bunch of fun to me that's auto smarts friday afternoon at 106 on 970 wath and 97.1 fm from concrete to roofing to siding and windows j k contracting has you covered from the ground up whether it's a room addition a complete home build or your commercial projects let the professionals at j k be of service from groundbreaking to completion and don't forget they accept all major credit cards they even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation don't hesitate to call j k contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate Live and local, the sports fan on 970 WATH. We'll go quickly to our surefire hot picks. We'll start with Roth. Roth was teasing his pick 
in the break, sitting there like, you guys are never going to guess what it is. It's a really good pick. What is it, Roth? It's not that you're never going to guess it. It's just a really good pick. Uh, last night, I took the Mets to win over the Braves. Tonight, Mets-Braves, first inning under. No runs in the first inning. Jacob deGrom pitched two games, 2-0, 1.6 ERA. Max Freed, 10-4 on the year, 2.6 ERA. All I need are six outs from these two pitchers before giving up a run. I got first inning, no runs in the Mets versus Braves game. That's a good bet. That's a good bet. Cade, what's yours? Yeah, I mean, you, you said you were going to get me with that one, Roth. You hundred, oh, yeah, I'm, I would definitely take that one. That's a good pick right there. But um, honestly, I think I'm going to go Yankees. Yankees tonight over the Blue Jays. They've got Frankie Montas throwing against Jose Barrios. Uh, the Yankees tonight, they are favored by uh, minus 165, which is a little awkward because they haven't really been playing great ball since the All-Star break. I mean, that's understatement. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that is an understatement of that. But, well, we little, I talked about it a little. Did they figure it out? Did they figure it out last night? You I mean, know, they had it, a walk-off it, grand slam from Josh Donaldson. So. It, it was a really big moment. And, I mean, I know me and Roth were around with resident Yankees fan around here, Ethan Sargent. He was sitting there going, like, this could be a turning point in our season. This is a turning point in our season. And... And then they gave up more runs, and I'm sitting there like they're going to lose, and then they didn't lose. So maybe, maybe it could be. Maybe it could be the turning point for the Yankees. I, I think it will be just because you're fake, facing Jose Barrios. I mean, he's a guy, yeah, win-loss record with pitchers, who, you know, whatever it is, 8-5. and five, But with Frankie Montas throwing on the mound tonight, I just, you know, I'm feeling Yankees. I am. Also, the, the Blue Jays are struggling a little that bit, too. True. You know, people, been, people are talking about the Yankees collapse. Like, Blue Jays are slowly playing themselves out of the lead that they had built up in the wild card. I think there, I think there's two teams tied at second and third, and I think there's a couple teams only a game or a game and a half back. So the Blue Jays are really getting back into that pack. Yeah, like you just yeah. said, Roth, they're tied at second right now with the Tampa Bay Rays in the wild card. Uh, with Seattle now has a lead with a game and a half up, Minnesota a game back, and Baltimore two with the White Sox sitting two and a half. So, yeah. My surefire pick, I'm going to go NFL preseason football, really degenerate. Uh, Bears play the Seahawks. I think the Seahawks get it done. I, I don't. I don't see the Bears doing much. Quickly talking NFL. Deshaun Watson. His suspension is finalized. They settled. Eleven games. Five million dollar fine. What do you guys think? Really quickly. Uh, yeah. It's uh, it's good that we have a resolution because the uh, like it's just been kind of a constant um, talking point within the Cleveland Browns. Um, so I, so I think that just. As a Browns fan myself, um, it's going to be nice for, for the first 11 weeks to just watch the on-field product and really assess where this team's at, like see Miles Garrett, see Nick Chubb, uh, see how Jacoby Brissett does. It's, he looks like he's going to be the starter for those 11 games and, and just really trying to win some football games because uh, there's been a lot of talk about the Browns, but not a lot of talk about who's actually going to be playing in the first 11 games for the Browns. And I think this team's going to be pretty solid. So it should be should be pretty exciting start to the season for Cleveland fans. We're out of time, Kate. So sorry you don't get to say your opinion on the Watson thing. Anyway, so we're yeah. Doing. So we'll be back on, I believe, Monday. Monday we'll have a half-hour show as the Reds take on the Phillies at 7. That'll be on Monday. So we'll be here. It's a sports fan presented by J&K Contracting. See you Monday.